0: Now, also available on Hubble.
1: Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This
0: is Dylan Friend. He
2: gives you a back rub. This is, you know, you're going well, Brian. Ah, oh, special. Get comfortable
3: and uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way.
2: Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water.
3: Cam
4: him a sheet of paper with six names and said, she we've got to cut these six blue. Ow! Shut up! I've just been barbed by a stingray, mate.
5: I'm just yelling him, oh, he hockey. my life! saved my life! He saved, my life. He saved my life! Thank you!
6: Thank you! I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs.
0: G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends, little snippets reviews of 2023. I hope you're having a great break, or if you're on break, if you're back at work, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I bloody love you, and I hope you're having a great time. I miss you. Um, that's the one thing that is true and is for sure. Um, missing doing the pod, I'm having a good break at the moment too. This is, uh, yeah, coming to you from your airways on holiday, so I hope you're having a good time. Anyway, um, this episode is Dylan Friends' best of business and career genuinely one of my favorite segments that we get the pleasure of doing on the show i love hearing people's business story what they've been through how they're doing it and yeah just on the journey of what they're doing and we had some awesome guests this year definitely built out a lot of episodes and um yeah i definitely want to add to this next year as well because it's it's so cool getting some you know go-getters on the show in business and i think that we always get really good feedback about these ones which is which is huge um in the best ofs we've got sam wood episode 180 191, Abby Holmes, 203, Untitled Boys, 207, Ed Hatcher from Alfred's Apartment, 210, Swag on the Beat, and 200, Tony Armstrong. Uh, so yeah, number one, you'll hear first is Sam Wood. Here it is. Yeah, uh, A bit of a recap on Sam Wood. He uh, has you know 28 by Sam Wood, an app. He was on The Bachelor, and uh, he's done an incredible job building this awesome, awesome business, which is 28 by Sam Wood. But it wasn't always that way. He was over 900K in debt, Um, it talks about his fitness journey that is 28 by Sam Wood, you know, all the lessons learned, mistakes made. He's had falling out with business partners and he's super candid and honest about this stuff. And I I still think to this day, it was probably one of my favorite ones. I think we spoke about it in a mini a while ago. Um, it was such an underrated episode and I really, really enjoyed it. Learned a lot from it. And he's been an unreal guy since just a bouncing off. So here it is. Hey, um, take us back to, to you, to Sam Wood. Now think like, I, I actually didn't watch The Bachelor. So I, yeah, that's uh, okay. that, in, that's <laughs> I've never that's not, seen it either, mate. And that's not a – like that's just more of a I know you from sort of 28 by Sam Wood. Like that's how I I, I referred to, to you and I think hopefully you enjoy that. Like I, I like it when people don't know me as a, as an yeah. ex-player sort of yeah. thing. It's sort of a nice thing because it shows that you've been
4: able to do you, – It's you've amazing got multi-faceted, how long it takes. Yeah. I remember, I remember I was on Fitzy and Whipper. Must have been – Two years after The Bachelor, 28 was really starting to go well and I was, you know, really proud of all this stuff we were doing in the fitness space. And he said to me, Sammy, this uh, this is uh, Fitzy, Ryan Fitzgerald. He goes, 10 years, mate. And I go, what, 10 years what? And he goes, it'll be 10 years before people oh, forget you're on that stupid reality yeah. show and they actually think of you for being being the fitness guy <laughs> yeah. or the business guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. 10 fucking years. I remember at the <laughs> time I like, you know, not, not that I'm, I've never shied away from the fact that none of, you know, first of all, my beautiful family and snares, yeah. but also none of the business stuff would be possible without of going on The Bachelor, but don't necessarily want to be remembered as that guy forever either with, you know, other stuff that I'm super proud of, but it's uh, I reckon he's about spot on. It's been seven, and it's
0: three <laughs> still more. Pretty strong. Yeah, there you go, three more. Yeah,
4: I reckon tens about right.
0: So, what? How did it start for you? So, you grew up in Tassie, you're yep. born in Tassie. Yep. Then moved over to Victoria.
4: Yep. Came to Melbourne when I was twenty in the uh, fitness
0: industry, working in just as like yeah, PT. and PT
4: working in gyms. Yeah, uh, doing an exercise science degree after sort of five six years doing PT and loving it. I was always determined to have my own business. I went out and uh, started a kids' fitness business yeah, called Gecko, yeah. yeah, which was something I was super passionate about, getting kids active, but it was a really hard business to make money with. We, we took an old garage over. We converted into Australia's first ever kids' gym in 2007, had 400 kids enrolled in after-school programs, did birthday parties on the weekends, and it was a really good business as a standalone one-off center. But then the challenge of trying to scale it either through licensing or franchising was a very expensive lesson learning Mm. five-year exercise where we never really cracked the code. When I sold Gecko for not very much money to one of our franchisees, sort of fast-forwarding 10 years from uh, 2007, I was $900,000 in debt. Uh, from from Gecko, I had a very wealthy business partner/slash investor who had lent me the money interest-free. Um, but I owed him 900 grand. And to be honest, that really stressed me out. And if it wasn't for the success of 28, I'd still be paying him back. Hell. Yeah.
0: So, was that just big? Like, how big of a lesson was that for you getting in? Like, I, because yeah. that, you're talking about going into sort of the fitness industry, because you, you can go into fitness industry and not actually understand the business side of things too. Yeah, like,
4: and I definitely didn't. I mean, uh, nor, it's a lot not, of money. D- nowhere near compared to it. Now, I, I was just, I was blindly optimistic and he believed probably 90% in me, 10% in the business, mm-hmm. but he really thought, Sam's going to pull this off. Like he liked me and he sort of believed in me, I think more on a personal level and I'd ask him, you know, like it wasn't like he just kept forking out money. Like it got to the point where I really had to sort of convince him and say, look, I just, I think we're really close to a turning point if we just have a bit more money to try a few more things. But it just snowballed out of control, you know, like 400 became 500. Like I, even weirdly, I didn't even quite understand it was at 900 in my head, I don't reckon, until he sort of said to me one day, Sam, you nearly owe me a million dollars. Like, you know, enough's enough. Like yeah. if we don't think this thing's going to pop, I can't just keep funding it. And, you know, I'd said, I'll pay you. if it doesn't work, I'll pay you back every cent. You know, like I was just, I don't know, I think it was pride. I think probably a bit of ego. You know, I, I, I didn't want to admit that it had failed. I didn't want to give up. And it's weird, as much as no one wants to run a business for 10 years and lose a million dollars, it doesn't sound like a very fun exercise because it's not. I don't think the success of 28 would have been anywhere near as good if I hadn't learnt those lessons and made those mistakes and perhaps... Yeah, gone, gone through that whole process. I mean, it was a whole bunch of things. Of course, it was the Bachelor. Of course, I was ten years older. The online digital space is very different. Yeah, I definitely think those those tough lessons and and that whole exercise in the long run helped helped the success. Of Before we up. get into
0: the the part about like coming on the Bachelor and building the profile, meeting stairs, yeah. those sorts of things, to then snowball the next venture. Yeah, what what do you think initially when you somewhat maybe failed, failed yeah. fast in that uh, with Gecko. did fail fast. Failed slowly. Oh, yeah, I think that was the problem. You didn't fail yeah, fast, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. You held on too far. long. Yeah, I so did. So what yeah. were those, the big lessons you learned from that that you knew when you go, okay, the next thing I do, fuck, these are the things that... And that often, sorry, I'm just so interested in the story, but often there's not one thing, is it? And, they, and you don't fail once, you fail 15 times. Yeah. And it's not like one after the other or...
4: I think, you know, I, I, we'd have, we'd have, and it sounds silly, I call them gecko board meetings, but I'd, I'd sort of collate, when things weren't going as well and we're sort of scratching our head to how to get the model right, I sort of put together this little team of people that were either ex-clients of successful business people who were clients of mine at the, at the gym or friends that worked in, you know, different areas of sort of consulting and that kind of stuff that I thought could be really valuable. And I remember this one guy, Glenn, who's a really good guy, I trained his wife and his kids and he, he was a really good business person. And he said to me once, I remember it like it was yesterday, I reckon we were 600 grand in debt. And he goes, Sammy, I don't want to piss on your barbecue, but this is fucked. And then yeah, next thing I've got his wife ringing me up apologising for Glenn being so direct, and and like he was spot on. He looks at a business by the numbers, and he's like, mate, I just can't see any way that this is ever going to make money like particularly the way you think it's going to be mm. in your pie-in-the-sky <laughs> yeah. dream world that you're living in. And I still wouldn't listen to him, you know. I was like, that almost made me more determined to prove him wrong. Like, it was just <laughs> just dumb. But, I mean, there were some other valuable lessons, like definitely trying to do everything myself, mm. not delegating enough. I feel, I feel like, too, like I probably knew that the model didn't work in two years and yet I persisted with it for five. And I think the big lesson there that I've carried into other business ventures is, like you say, learn fast and then, and then pivot accordingly rather than just bang your head against a brick wall when something is clearly not going to work straight away. You know, like don't waste any more time, energy, resources, money on something that it's not there. And conversely, when it pops, go hard at it. You know, like the thing with 28 was it just it just went and it was like, right, you know, like let's not die wondering, let's see what this can be and you know, continue that we just poured every bit of revenue back into it to see how big it could get. And you know, built a great, you know, not just in marketing but in mm. building out this team uh, of making sure that you know there were people that were experts in areas that I definitely wasn't. And I and I, I definitely think whether it was conscious or subconscious, they were sort of things that I was determined to. That i had learned through the gecko experience that i was termed to not make the same mistakes or if i did find something that i'd hoped had happened with gecko that i i didn't uh i don't know lose the opportunity I, d- I didn't sort of go oh yeah i wasn't timid it was like let's see how big this thing can get
0: how good was that sammy wood i hope you enjoyed that one friends and family make sure you go back and listen to the whole thing if you do that's number 180. Next up, we have 191 Abby Holmes. Now, not much to say about Abby. She is just a genuine superstar. This woman does everything, and she is a real go getter. Like, it's just crazy how much she has achieved in a short amount of time, and so many bigger things to come as well. Adelaide girl moved to Darwin, um, you know, gutsy move. She started playing footy up there. Um, Crawford asked her to be a part of the EJ Witten Legends game. She says yes to all these opportunities. Then she made the AFLW exhibition game, um, you know, kicked 100 goals for one of the teams she was playing in NT, came back, did some more AFLW, then went to VFL Men's and did some commentary, and that sort of led her to where she is today. She's also got about 15 businesses on the side. She's done Survivor, done SAS, um, and I absolutely love this chat with her. She's an absolute star, so check this one out.
7: So I look back when I was 21, Um, so netball was a big part of of my life. I was, um, you know, playing state league netball in South Australia from the age of 15. I was lucky enough to represent Australia at a junior level and I had every aspiration to play at the top level for a very, very long time. Um, But at 21 I'd I'd had a couple of knee surgeries. Um, You know, I I was pretty realistic in, you know, how serious – Those injuries were as well, and how much that was going to impact me um, moving forward with my netball. So, as a twenty-one-year-old girl, I, I was living in Adelaide. I went to my dad and said, "Dad, I'm moving to Darwin." And he's like, "What do you mean you're moving to Darwin? You've never even lived out of home. You've never stood on your own two feet." I'm his baby, right? I've got an older sister. And I said, not only that, I said, Dad, I'm moving to Darwin for a boy. (laughs) So um, my partner at the time had moved up from Adelaide to Darwin to play in the NTFL. He was originally going to stick around for a six-month NTFL season and then come back to Adelaide. But as most blokes do, fell in love with the place and didn't want to leave. So little old Abs packed up her life. 21. Yeah. And that's the thing, like to have the guts to make that move. As a 21-year-old girl, I'd never stood on my own two feet. I was moving across the country to a place where – I didn't know anyone um, other than Brownie, um, my partner at the time, but I look at that move and and think that that was such a defining moment in my life and I'm a big one for sliding doors moments and if I hadn't have had the balls or the guts to do that as a, as a really young girl, um, I certainly wouldn't be here talking to you today um, and that for me, I guess, was where I had to force myself out of my comfort zone and I had to learn to swim pretty quickly um, in the big bad, you know, <laughs> world of, of life. So um, that's definitely a pivotal moment as to where I am today.
0: I, uh, I don't want this to be missed in this in the episode, but that's, you must look back at like that yourself, you know, you like reflect on a mm. 21 year old version of Abby and, and go fuck! I'm so proud of you. Like to do that and, yeah. and make that call. Like I was, I speak about it a lot on the show, and Darcy will, will contest to this, but the fact that I got an opportunity to move when I was 26, and to be honest, I was such in a nice way a piece of shit. Like I mm-hmm. just lived in the same area, yeah. knew the same people, didn't challenge myself. For you to do that by yourself on your own accord is huge. Yeah, and I think for me, like having a son, you know, baby, now, and any advice I'd give to any young person. Move away, get out of your comfort zone, go and do something, and you just grow up so much.
7: I 100% agree. You've got to put yourself out of your comfort zone because that's where the magic happens. Mm. Um, you know, and from my move to Darwin, obviously, the first thing that you do is, well, I got a job in real estate, I'm a real estate Nuffy, as I said off the Mm. top, but um, so I was selling houses. But the first thing that you do is you go and find a netball club, you know, that's how you're going to make friends, that's how you're going to meet people in a new town, and I did that, and then. Interestingly, up in the NT, footy and netball seasons don't clash. Like Down here, they're winter sports, so you Mm. kind of play them from March through September, whereas up there, you play netball from March through September and then footy from October through March. So you're just playing sport 12 months of the year. But it was only when I moved to Darwin that I really got the opportunity to play in a fully-fledged footy competition in the NTFL. It was the netball girls that convinced me to go out and have a kick in the off-season as such. So that's how I kind of landed in footy and was, yeah, lucky enough to go down to the Waratah Football Club and have a fair bit of success there in four seasons with them. Um, and yeah, that's where it all kind of kicked off.
0: I uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I find the ultimate success sometimes is the fact that when you do so well in multiple careers that people forget that you're a good footy player as well. And I'm mm. not saying that I forgot you're a good footy player, but because you've done so well now in commentary and other parts of your life, yeah. you're not defined by one thing.
7: Well, it's interesting, even walking here today, Facebook memories, how good are they? Oh, <laughs> well,
0: actually, sometimes, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're scary. Oh, yeah, scary. true, yeah. that's true. Why did
7: I post that 10 years <laughs> yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, but no, nine years ago to this yeah. day, so Shane Crawford was up in Darwin um, for, I think he was there with Auskick, Yeah. Um, but he came out and watched one of my games and- um one of the the girls from AFLNT said oh Crawford that's Abby she's just kicked 100 goals you know first woman in the country to do it and Crawford was like oh he was working for the Herald Sun writing and he was like oh, I'd I'd love to interview her wow um so 9 years ago to this day Crawford literally yeah did a double page double page how good That's 9 years ago
0: and that was nearly this was at the start of sort yeah. of everything
7: yep so Shane Crawford, like my mum loved him growing up. I'm oh, every, a, a diehard Crows supporter, everyone but loved everyone loved him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. Um, so Shane Crawford asking to interview me, I'm going, what is this, what is happening? Um, and then so I sat down, I had a chat with him for an hour or so, and off the back of the chat he said to me, Abs, I don't know if I can do it, but if you're keen available, um, I would love to have you as part of the EJ Witten Legends game in my team for the All-Stars. And I just went, oh my God, like I'd love to. But then I left there going, piss off, Crawford. Like you're just saying that to be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not going to come through. That's just, you know, a, a flying comment that you throw out to to try and make someone feel, you know, good. But lo and behold, Shane Crawford came through with the goods and a week or two later, I was flying down to Melbourne from Darwin to go on the footy show and, and be announced there. And so I look back at that moment even and and- You know, I'm so grateful to Shane Crawford for taking the time to interview a a young girl up in Darwin um, having a kick with her mates, you know, and from that. That came, that article and then the EJ win Legends games and that's when I was kind of thrown into the media space with yeah. TV and radio interviews and worked out very quickly that I loved it and that would potentially be something that I wanted to pursue. So
0: Unbelievable. And that just shows a snowball effect of things. Like but taking the opportunities too, you've got yeah. to say yes. Oh, my you've goodness. You've got to say
7: yes. I'm a big one and I say to everyone, just say yes to every single opportunity that presents itself because you never know where it's going to lead. It might lead to nowhere and that is so fine mm. but it might... Change your life. And I'm a perfect, I guess, example of how following those opportunities can change your life.
0: And this is a, like a, a massive reason why I think from chatting to you uh, a few weeks ago, why I wanted to actually chat to you in depth. And I know that you know this. and I know that a lot of people close to you would know this, but there's no coincidence you are where you are now. Like there's mm-hmm. no coincidence you are successful and you've done all these things. Like if you look at your story, it is just from continually wanting to improve, which yeah. is the message I want people to get from this today. It's, it's, it's honestly textbook for any young person that needs to go out and wants to do what they want to Mm. do in life. So I'm really excited about it. And again, I keep pumping you up, but it's because you you really deserve it. (laughs) Um, Before we get into the footy show and how that changed with the footy and Mm. going to the Crows, talk me through that time around when the AFLW came in, you were playing for the Waratahs and you were, you know, you had a bit of a kick in the ass going like, well, you were pissed off that. You weren't pissed off, but, you know, you didn't get the opportunity. So what happened for then you to go to kick the 100 goals?
7: So it was actually, I started playing for Waratahs. Uh, My first season was the 2012-13 NTFL season. They fall across, obviously. Yes, they're wet. Yep. Yep. The wet season. And I rocked up to training. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I I did, once again, Newtown. I hadn't met any of the girls from footy other than the girls I was playing netball with, of course, and... Rocked up and my coach took one look at me and he was like, you're a midfielder. Like, you know, you've got the the size that you can get in and under and win the contest and get us a get us ball really. And I was like, yeah, no worries. Like just do anything. <laughs> um, in my first year of footy, we kicked 67 and that was, I just kept gravitating forward and, you know, Hungry.
0: Yeah, we like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not many handballs Not many were there. Not many handballs hand were hand there. Hand guys. Yeah.
7: Sorry. Nah. So 67 in the first year.
0: You by yourself. Yeah. From the midfield.
7: You, you midfield forward.
0: Midfield, yeah. Yeah.
7: And then at the end of that year, they had the, obviously 2013, the first ever exhibition game between Doggies, Doggies and days. Melbourne. Yep. Yeah. And no girls from the NT were drafted. And that really upset me because, not for me personally, but I in my, my mind there were so many incredible footballers and athletes in the NT that deserved the opportunity to represent and to be there with one of those two sides. Um, so I, I remember, you know, my mindset heading into that next season was I wanted to kick 100. I wanted to do it and I wanted to bring more attention and interest to the amazing players in the NTFL and get more girls drafted. And, you know, it certainly wasn't just about me in that season and I'll get into that. But anywho, so the second year I looked at my mum and I said, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. Like we've got such an amazing team, such a talented group of girls. Um, We'll get there. And it was only after about 50 well, the half century that you're going, right, this this could actually happen.
0: Did you hit the half, the 50 pre-middle of the year or was it like, did you come home with a wet sail or was it like you did the work early?
7: Um, It was pretty consistent. It was consistent. Yeah. Okay. But I remember- How many
0: goals is that a game, by the way? 20, 100? <sighs> it I was 105 or 14 games. Year, yeah, I dropped mass in like year eight. <laughs> <Just>
7: trying <laughs> yeah. to work that out. <laughs> 105 <laughs> of one hundred and five. So what's yeah. that
0: in a game average?
7: Oh, seven-ish?
0: Seven-ish a game. Seven?
7: Yeah. But I remember <laughs> during that season it was so surreal because, you know, normally you have your leading goal kickers for the men's and, uh, you know, everyone's up there, whereas the NTFL were amazing and they had me with the boys. So they had me sitting on top with, say, 47 goals. I had Damien Cupido second. He was playing in the NTFL. That's sick. Um, but, yeah, so we we hit the 100, the I think, with one or two games to to spare. Um, but it certainly wasn't an individual accolade. I said this to you on Friday, knockoffs, because we just had a, an incredibly dominant team. Um, and and once again, from that halftime, I had complete buy-in from mm. my teammates. I didn't I didn't go out there and I didn't tell them at the start of the season that this is something that this is a goal of mine. I, I didn't. It was only um, you know probably from about the fifty odd that it became pretty evident that that's what we were chasing as a group and that's and amazing. we were going to get there. So.
0: There you have it. That was Abby Holmes. As you can tell, she is a legimondo, and uh, we'll definitely get her back on the pod next year. That's 191 if you want to listen to the whole thing. I definitely recommend it. Next up, 203, is the Untitled Boys. Love these guys. Um, second time on the podcast. I, you know, I'm really lucky to be good mates with these guys and have been for a long time and just genuinely love what they're doing. They're absolute go-getters. Spoke about sort of bouncing back after COVID. Um, obviously, being hit with a lot of sort of rules and regulations with the um, festivals, you know, we really couldn't do a lot of that sort of stuff. They told some more stories about getting Nelly and overseas artists and how to sort of get them over there. Spoke about a lot of sliding doors moments as well, and you know, there's no surprises. They are as successful as they are because they just keep going. They talk about this one story about just said you know getting said no to so many times. So I think they flew over to London and had a meeting with them, and they just couldn't say no. Um, they spoke about booking Nelly Furtado, spoke about Dom Dollar, um, spoke about Central Sea coming to their festival and yeah, these, these episodes are just unreal and I know that you all love them. So we'll definitely have to get the boys on again next year too. Uh, enjoy. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, now also available on Hubble. How about like the evolution of the events as well? Because one thing that you guys have to be careful of, and I know that you are so good at this, is the fact that you two have been so successful and Untitled Group's been so successful. Like when we were chatting last time, the reason it sort of has worked for you guys is because other people maybe didn't adapt to the times or they didn't grow with the youth. And like over the last like three four years now, like I've even found being thirty, I'm like I don't know what the fuck people are doing these days. Like you quickly grow, you quickly like go, I'm not cool anymore. Hmm. So you've had to like adapt and stay cool with like a younger generation. Have you found like has there been much change? We we
2: we've employed for that more <laughs> yeah, or less. Right. Yeah yeah yeah. We we try. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of tools that you can use, especially with with um, just. Back end like monitoring, there's, there's data, but ultimately, you know, I'm hip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. lot with this it gut feel. feel, like yeah. it's just are like, the kids going to enjoy this? Per, or per, are, they, are they not?
3: You know, perfect example. Perfect example would be um, the Nelly Furtado booking We yeah. be on the Valley last year. There's so many other promoters and people just around the world contacting us, going, "What, the, what Nelly Furtado? What made you? What made you think of that?" But Particularly, I think the biggest change in culture at the moment has been the rise of TikTok yeah. um, and just how popular that is just as a tool, but also just you know the way people live their life, how information travels. And we knew that Nelly Furtado's edits and songs were just going viral on TikTok. She was having oh, such a resurgence. Um, but she hadn't done a show like, in Australia for over 20 years, but just a show in general for over six years. So mm. um, Nelly was, as far as I was concerned, retired. Um, but we knew she was having such a moment. And for a festival that's kind of having their big moment in australia and for an artist like that to come back it was just the the perfect timing so smart so um and you know phil phil was on that kind of like
0: how do you reckon so like just say you there how the fuck do you go like all right nelly furtado how do you
2: contact her weird it, it was a big like a surprise like you had not just slide into her dm no like, it was it was, was at work uh, it, like it involved traveling overseas like flying to london meeting up with the agent, first getting a response from the agent and like her representation and so, stuff. But even to break that down, I know well, you've got people
0: well, there, do you just like Google who no, are like no. the this, this is
3: really interesting because you know, we used to watch Entourage yes. back, back in the day. <laughs> And you know you see people like Ari Gold and those big body agencies and whatnot. And for the first couple of years of our organization, and us working, we would fly over there with these printed out decks and sit in those foyers and we'd request meetings with all the agents. And a lot of the times, they'd come down. Hey Mike, hey Phil, they'd get it right this time though. Yeah. Hey Mike, hey Phil. Uh, yeah, sorry, they're not unavailable, but I'll I'll take the meeting. We'd take the meetings in the foyer. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll pass it on. We just get shut down.
2: Yeah. So many so many meetings in the UK, especially where they'd walk in and they just literally sit down and be like, Beyond Festival, yeah? yeah? You guys, that's where you're from, <laughs> the untitled company. And yeah. we were just like, close enough. Close like, enough yeah. Yeah. Um, but Nelly, Nelly was a special, like, that was a special one because we were kind of stumped for a headliner last year as well. We'd gone through, there were, yeah, a range of artists that we had offered on. It had come close, it had come to fruition or something had popped up, problem with the visa to get over to Australia yeah. or whatever it was. And then kind of, you know, Leading up to the festival, I traveled over to London to meet up with one agent in particular. But whenever we go over there, we meet up with as many as possible. We'll try and go once a year. London, LA, New York, which is where all the, the big talent reps are for um, the music industry. And the meeting, funnily enough, it got postponed three times. just kind of like Mike postponed yeah. this podcast <laughs> yeah, four thing. times. is <laughs> like the Nelly Furtado thing. Yeah. But it was great just like, you know, I knew I was walking into the room with, one of the most influential people in music who also works with Beyonce and Kylie Minogue mm. and a whole range of massive, Katy Perry, Red Hot mm. Chili Peppers, you know, some of the biggest artists in the world. And, and do, are they with Untitled or just a person no, no, that not, you help? Like, yeah, how does that no, work? No, it's in this, this, this agent that I met oh, with She represents yeah. all of these artists and a lot more and learn a lot from her. It was, she was absolutely lovely to sit down with and kind of spoke about the potential of it. And then got back home and started to, it was really that introduction you need. I was friends with a colleague of hers that also worked at the agency. She owned the agency. And then that kind of got me in the room. But a lot of people that have been in the industry for that long, you you really need a face. Otherwise it's it's just- Because a lot of these
3: agents, they represent these top tier talent on a global scale. So you're from Australia, but you got European, American people a- a from everywhere trying to book. It's almost yeah. like a
2: verification process, process that yeah. you need to get through to get in the room and 100%. the first the thing- time that I, yeah, the first time I got on the tube and because, you know, the underground in London and had no reception for the 40 minutes I was on it, got off and then got the email from the assistant being like, oh, it's postponed. And I was like, fair enough. But the third time I went there, um, I had to go to Barcelona the next day for a music conference, and um, it was um, yeah similar thing. That morning we need to postpone it. Can you do tomorrow? I had my flights booked and everything. So can we do this afternoon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I it got to about four pm. I was with one of our um, um, our head of electronic, Monty. Shout out Monty. I know he watches <laughs> Dylan friend, so. um The um, and Monty and I were at a meeting with another agent, and I was like, "I'm going to go." And he's like, "Man, I don't, I don't think you should do it. I don't think, I just don't think you're going to get in the room. Um, it's yes, it's." I
8: know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So that's all
0: the small things just going off in the background. Sorry about that. But
3: anyway,
2: anyway, I I honestly got lucky that day because she wanted to speak with us, but it came down to a position of. Availability. Mm. She's just, you know, one of the busiest agents in the world. And then I just went to a reception, like, when I got there, and I showed them the emails, and they're like, it's kind of weird, like, just this random man from Australia rocking up at, a, at, at reception and telling us that you want to meet our boss. Like, yeah. you know, we can't just let you into our office, can we? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll just wait. And I was like, how long do you think it'll take? And they were like, I don't know, maybe two or three hours, but. Anyway, it I love all those, out I love in those the end. sliding
3: door moments. Yeah, so, because like you think about it, if Phil didn't didn't wait there that lobby um, to have that meeting, and then obviously there's a series of events that follow. The, the best thing was that following that, we sent an offer. We got told no. A couple of weeks later, we sent a revised offer. We got told no. It took told you know that happened three or four times, and we thought no. This this, this we stayed persistent. There's got to be something that that that's going to happen. And and actually, not many people know this, but it was 72 hours before the Beyond the Valley announce, and we had our lineup with no Furtado on it. And Phil and I were looking at it and we're like, no, nah, no. Nah. And Phil said, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call it one more time. I want to get on this call. And Mike went near the call. And I'm like, Phil, it's it said, no, it's not happening, please. You know, we get we actually probably was the biggest argument we'd ever. Was had. First, it was the
2: first like not physical, but first like fight we've had. You
3: were slapping the table.
6: I was slapping
2: the table on him. I was like,
3: I, I need that. you, yeah, I, need I need you. I need
8: you, you Mike, and he's
3: like, and I'm like, all right. Phil and I get on the call we go okay it'll only happen if x y and z happens
2: you know she's got family a bunch got family. of stuff to consider well we spoke about this last time the request
3: the request yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The contract. Like- well this is the funny thing because phil and i you know our, our two business partners uh, nick and christian uh bless their souls they are uh amazing incredible and smart humans uh but also operate very differently to phil and i and they ground us a lot and we have these crazy like yeah let's do this or we'll do that and they were both offline at the time and phil and i had to get this locked we're in. Like, we the keys to the Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. we
2: the keys like, to the mom de- and dad's <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Kids, kids, kids are, home, are home alone, and they've got to book the rest of the Beyond the Valley lineup. Yeah. And now Matata is like, it could happen if X, Y, and Z happens. And I'll never forget, Phil and I, we stayed up doing shifts. It was shifts
2: till like 3 a.m. And then night. we were still getting to the office till 9 a.m. But it was four days in a row that we had to do it because we had to announce the lineup on the Thursday. We had Triple J, everyone locked in. And on the Monday, like you said, 72 hours beforehand, on the Monday, we we're like, okay, we want to do this. We took the call with her that night and we started the process. And it was just every single night because of the time difference between London, Toronto, yeah. Melbourne. And then I'll never forget, it was two nights before where we were on a call and we got this feedback being like, look, I think we're close. Travel is really difficult from Toronto to Melbourne. It is, it's ages yeah. away. And they were like, you know, there's family and stuff like that. There's a big crew, there's dancers. Keep in, the, mind,
3: keep in mind, we're very sleepless because, again, up till 3 in the morning, then up at 6 in the yep. morning because, like, you just 7, 2-hour dash. Yeah. And, and I'm on the phone to Phil, and she's like, look, she, we've got a crew of 20. We're going to get there. And I'm like, let's, let's just offer him a jet. Let's offer him <laughs> a private jet. Yeah, <laughs> we'll fly out with a private jet. And, and, and I've, I've written this email I'm, Mike, that email. I'm like, no worries. We'll offer a private,
2: private jet, jet to get the family and everyone down. And then Mike's like, yeah, cool. No, 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 send it. And then, like, we're in this delusional 2 a.m. state of, like, just, like, <laughs> two nights in a row of, like... Of just working crazy hours. And then I was like, hang on a second. Have you ever flown in a private jet before? And you know, he's like, he's like, no, have you? <laughs> no, I <was> like, should we look at the cost for a private jet? How much does a private jet cost <laughs> from Toronto get to it? Melbourne? <laughs> what <How much laughs> does a private
3: jet cost for <laughs> from to to Melbourne? <laughs> I actually wouldn't have the first. <laughs> like, <laughs> half a million US dollars <laughs> <in> return <laughs> would have literally like, sent us bankrupt. <laughs> um, so we, like, we had, luckily, waited till the morning. I'm like, okay, no jet, no jet. Maybe fucking we'll jack it up and go first class. Or yeah. you know. But um, yeah. look, in the end, and I kid you not, it was that that kind of effort. Nelly confirmed the morning of announce. Well, yeah, we had to go to our graphic our our, yeah. our graphic team, our, our whole team. Like shout out yeah. to our whole team that you know we don't want to. They put flipped that, it around. They flipped it around. Like you hours. change your press release. You change the thing. We even had street flyers out there. If you would have seen them, they don't have Nelly Furtado on there. We, Phil and I just went around and everyone with the texter and just said, <laughs> What's well, Nelly." Um, but you know, you fast forward to the event. And that was just one of the most kind of iconic festival moments, uh, I, you know, Particularly, I've experienced, um, just to have such a diverse, like a crowd from, you know, everyone from, you know, 18, all yeah. the way 40s, 50s, whatever, in our audience, because it was New Year's Eve, so we had a lot of people coming down just for New Year's Eve and have songs that were made 20-plus years ago, just whole 35,000 people Ooh, screaming like,
0: them. I, I still remember those, like, I'm Like a Bird. And I'm like, like a Bird. Man, it's my it a promiscuous, song. yeah, like, yeah.
3: Um, but then I think the craziest thing that happens, you've got Nelly that finishes, You've got homegrown hero, obviously global superstar now. Dom Dollar jumps on after with her, and you know there's this TikTok uh, video that was going viral at the moment. It was the uh, biceps glue and Nelly Furtado say it right mm. played together, yep. and we're like, let's be the first ones in the world to be able to do that moment live. So Dom said, I've got oh, a special wow. guest. So Dom Dom played the song, and Nelly Furtado came out again. And going back to the power of social media, because this was the first time that a, that a song a that was going song, viral, a TikTok had, yeah. song had been done live, that went viral. And I think like it's over like two like across all the videos, I wow. think it's over 500 million views across all the different you know of this one moment.
0: How crazy are these crazy crazy guys? I love their stories, and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty after. Their big festival will be on the valley uh, in the off season, so we'll have to get him back on to talk about that, which is exciting. I know my boy, uh, our boy here, at producer Josh Moffat's heading up there. He's tried to ask for some VIP tickets, so if you see him, make sure you say good day. Uh, next up, we have Ed Hatcher, two oh seven. Uh, Ed's been an awesome guy that we've met recently. Um, Shawnee boy actually joined this episode too because you know him and Ed are really good mates as well, and spoke about Ed's brand, Alfred's apartment and how it all came about. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we learned from Ed through this chat because we're trying to do our own thing here at Clubby and Producey and all of our other pods with more Greens as well that we're really trying to build out that apparel side of the business, which has been really cool. And yeah, spoke to Ed about the company and how we uh, bought it um, actually off some, some friends that he was working with. And it was actually just more of a cafe and he turned it into, you know, a surf brand which is, um, which is crazy, really, really interesting um, podcast, to be honest. And I, I genuinely enjoyed this one, learn a lot from it. But yeah, it talks about how he took over the business, um, heaps of other businesses he started before this and talks about taking risks, jumping into new opportunities, all those bits and pieces. Now, if you want to start any business, this is an A1 episode to listen to. You have to check out Ed Hatcher's episode. I'm so curious, like, I'd love to hear more about Alfred's and your story. Like, how did that yeah. all come about? Because it's such a, when I was like looking at it, I'm like, how the hell does this happen? Like, how do you create something like this? And to give context on this, I was speaking to Sean about it again. I was like, I'd love to meet like the upwards guys. Like how many of them is there? He's like, it's one. I was like, I thought it was like 10. Mm. So it's a credit to you that you're doing
6: like 10. But in saying that, there's been heaps of people along Mm, the way. And there is still so many people. But yeah. I'm the, I'm the, the, I'm the one who has to front the bills. You're Alfred. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How did it come about? Basically I, some older friends of ours, they started Alfred's when I was pretty young. Um, They were like, when we were 12 on the Gold Coast surfing, they were the ones that took us surfing Mm -hmm. and they were like our cool older mates. And their, their family, the Nielsens have like a huge history. Their dad was a world champ. Surfer, wow. big, like real well known um, in the surf industry mm-hmm. and this and that. And they, their boys started Alfred's as a little shop and cafe in Mermaid Beach where I grew up. And that was my first job or one of my first jobs. Oh, so you worked there before working, as well? Oh, very working cool. for the boys. Yeah. So maybe when I was in grade 11 or 12, they opened it and I was just casually working for them. In the kitchen, in the shop, ruining a few acai bowls. <laughs>
1: oh, that's um, sick. was that? Yeah. When the OG burrito was still full flight. Yeah,
6: yeah, 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 yeah. It was that was this was the very start, wow. and yeah, they were kind of just like my mates I looked up to and built such a cool thing. And then, as I got a little bit older, I finished school, went to uni, got expelled from uni. Oh wow! Don't tell mother. <laughs> um, well, what were you studying? Graphic design and oh, business, very cool. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I just, I just, um, kept failing and was so. I d- I started working for Surf Stitch, online retailer. Another friend got me a job there early before I'd finished uni doing design, and they kind of just looked past the fact I hadn't finished, and then I just never quite went back. And then did that for like a year, and then did another kind of design job at surf, dive and ski, Mm -hmm. all kind of very surf industry stuff on the Gold Coast. And then the boys came to me that they wanted to move on. And um, I was still doing some design stuff for Alfred's at that point. How old were you at this point? 23. Still young, yeah. So young. Mm Maybe. 24. And then, yeah, they just came to me. And basically they were having kids and one moved away and it was pretty much we were, we want to sell but we also don't want it to go into bad hands. Would you be interested? We just had a coffee one day and I, pretty naive, just jumped and went, done. That's awesome. It's a deal. I didn't have the money. It was a long like a long-term deal we made mm-hmm. and they... Yeah, they just kind of got over it, and moved on, had kind of slowed down a little bit, and it happened. So,
1: so at that point, was it the the shop as well as the cafe and everything intertwined? Yes, yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. There was previously two kind of companies with different partners in both, and the shop was more of like a multi brand retailer, mm-hmm. so they sold other brands, Carhartt some stuff like that. Plus, they also still did a few Alfred's pieces. And to be honest, they kind of blessed me with the hats we're wearing today, still our best-selling thing. They did it. I've just marketed it. That's awesome. Really. Talk us
0: through that Um, that part. Like, I think it'd be awesome today as we'll, we'll chat a little bit off air about this before, but so many people want to take risks and start businesses and stuff like that. And not often you hear of like people taking over a business. Yeah. How does that work? Like, how did you, you said before you didn't front up any... Cash, no. but was it just like a long-term deal that yeah. you like gave him like yeah. a percentage of earnings yeah. T- over until
6: T- next- I got to a figure?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, do you mind like what? Not to get the numbers and the financials, but what? How did that sort of work? Did you just like negotiate the fee, or was it off revenue made? Or yeah, like,
6: yeah, it was. It was. Uh, this stuff's so it interesting. A, yeah, right? it was like, a pretty crazy deal. They basically got to a point where they were kind of all working other jobs yeah. and over it. Yeah and the business itself had slowed down so it probably wasn't in the position that it had it is, previously yeah, okay. been and they yeah they just wanted out and but they also i mean they could have probably sold it for a lot yeah. they wanted to have it like live on and yeah we kind i basically just agreed straight up no numbers that's sick over no a coffee nothing. that's awesome so yeah.
0: you're 24, you take over this like cafe, multi-brand business. What did you know
6: about business? Very little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'd done, I had a clothing brand, probably five clothing brands yeah. before it. This from, is, man, I love
0: that point. Yeah, yeah. From
6: year 10 in school, my uncle took me to a screen printer and- Help Give me, us help me make of, some teas. What the names of the businesses? Struck, you, yeah. First one. How did that go? Uh, Struck didn't go so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, uh, <laughs> Struck ended up with a batch of teas printed on women's <laughs> tea thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. tiny little <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> yeah. You had to wear an XL. Yeah, we were early that on the baby tees. Yeah. Come back, um, disaster, but fun. Yeah, sold a few at school, and then uh, did another brand called Order. Did a little bit more, still did a bit up until even like a year into Alfred's. We still did that. Maybe on ice for another day.
4: Nice.
6: Mm. Uh we did a beer. We did a beer called Thursday Brewing. I still that's another one. I still got on ice. I actually got the Instagram back the other day. That. Made sure I kept that. Yeah. Was doing that and order while I took over Alfred's. Then it all just became a bit much. Yeah. And just went full time on Alfred's love
0: it, man. I think there's this awesome point. We speak about it a lot, but it's like that that idea of if you started your business and you're not embarrassed by it, you started too late. And I, like, I
6: heard this on one of yours I listened to, like, and that hit me straight away. Yeah. I went, um, there's even still so much stuff that currently you, that with Alfreds. struck you straight away. Yeah, that struck me. <laughs> that struck you straight away. <laughs> there's so much stuff still to this day that's only six months old that I'm like, oh, this oh, is embarrassing. It it's like, a shocker. A, yeah,
0: but even like the stuff that we're – releasing like one because you put so much work into it right i, I relate it to nearly like a band yeah where like you you make a song and while you like say like the chili peppers come out with like under the bridge they've probably played that for six months before they release it by the time they're touring that and they release a song they probably fucking hate it and it's like with a lot of the stuff sometimes like i don't know if with the design shit but it's oh, like 100% like we really i'm like are people gonna fucking buy this because i'm over it like i've seen yeah. it that many times now i mean even last night my reaction we had those you know quick early orders yeah. i was
4: like oh I'm thank so fuck, glad thank yeah, fuck
0: yeah. people actually like this stuff, but, um, no, nah, so good. And I think that that's like a really, really good point for a lot of people getting into this. Like I, I suppose like the, again, the reason I wanted to get in this chat today, like such three different ways, right? Like you've come from a background of like design and working in stores in retail to then like acquiring a shop and turning that into your own with your own spin on it. Sean, you've come from like a total different background. You've worked in a reputable like career that you could have stayed in for the rest of your life but Mm. you decided to jump ship and do something completely different Um, and I've uh, just I actually don't really know how to explain what I've done but it's just like I don't know just jumped into something and tried Mm. I actually didn't try and start a business like I was just doing a podcast I didn't even like this whole thing that's happened was not a like I didn't actually think it was going to turn into anything but it's just evolved over time so I think there's three different ways that like there's not one thing but I love your story about starting shit like before um, Dylan, friends, and with more greens and stuff, we did. We had, like my missus and I had so many ideas. We had these um, dog collars that we were going to do called Neighbor Hounds. Um, and again, I've got the handles, got the website. Still, still something in on ice yeah, in the background it. at the moment. And I like if you looked up my ABN lookup, which I hope you don't. Um, the amount of like business names I've acquired over the years and Instagram handles I have for like a rainy day, it's all there. But I, I love that. It's like. What you've got to now, there's probably six or seven shit business, not shit businesses, oh, but very, other ones that didn't you know, work out yeah. to get you to where you are. There you have it. That was Ed Hatcher 207. As I said, send that one on to your mates. When you always talk about starting something, that's the one to go to. Next up, we have 210 swag on the beat. I love these guys. They're internet sensations, traveling the world, doing live performances at the moment and watch this space. They might even have a podcast coming out soon. Um, you know, these guys started in lockdown as well just living together, making TikTok content and have turned, you know, what is a passion into a business? And they've been doing really cool. they have had some live shows and spoke about failing fast, comedy, but then, yeah, as I said, turning it into a business as well and making it a living. And yeah, spoke about building confidence and just putting themselves out there. Um, And it's a really funny episode, but also really a lot to learn from too. So here it is. How does it work with you boys? Like with all the videos you do and obviously like from... I'm sort of skipping a little bit here, but I'd love to know like the dynamic, right? Because something I'm always so fascinated about with creatives, and I suppose I've sort of been in this world too, where you like start a business not knowing it's going to be something, right? You, like, you have no intention of it actually becoming something. But then you've got to work out, like, we're creative, we have fun together, we're mates, we love each other. But then all of a sudden, fuck, we've got to actually turn this into a business now too. And there's writing that needs to be done, editing, finances, promotion. How's that been? Yeah, it's an ever-evolving
5: uh, motion, for swag, yeah, which is great, and I think the doing the live show tour really taught us a lot about a, a bigger picture thing of how the company needs to work as well. So I bet it's you know uh, it's um, we just take every problem in our stride and try and work it out as best we can and who's better at what, who's not, yeah,
1: what, you know all that kind of stuff. I feel like we all have individual roles, and then we sort of. Important things as decisions we'll all overlook and come together and decide. Mm. Like, I think Isaac does a lot, pretty much all the editing, and then Jack does all the business sort of like emails and business stuff. And then I do probably a little bit more writing, but then we also
0: write everything together as well. So, we some things we come together, some things we do individually. It's really interesting. Like, and there's no aiming towards any of that question. I'm much more curious myself because I found like I've made so many, even as a you know, I think of all the shows I've started with mates and it's like there's so many times where I've probably fucked up that like you, why you got into it at the start versus like mm. then you put your business hat on and you're like well fuck we're friends first like you know what I mean yeah. like I, I reckon I've definitely cooked that a few times with like different bits and pieces I've always been curious how it goes with everyone else and it's you're right it's an evolving thing it's mm. always going to be like something you've got to keep yeah, of mind but yeah, I think yeah. like being transparent having like because like as young men as well like we have those times where you you start it but then you got to have like open honest conversations with each other too which can be really difficult Mm, absolutely
8: it's it's like a relationship with a partner it's like you got to be open communication like you said and just yeah if you let things kind of harbor but like between you then it'll just unravel and yeah just being open and honest with each other and looking out for each other wanting the best for each other and communicating then you can usually figure anything out
1: mm. it's definitely like this is probably more sexual I reckon if you watch the live a- show it was pretty sexual yeah, 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 yeah. so
0: what's how this live show thing come about like obviously a lot of the content created was around like skits um, that are ranging for like sixty se- 50 to 60 seconds mm. and then they go, all right, let's do a live show and you want to turn that into something that what goes for 45 minutes to an hour? Yeah, 65 minutes. Was that totally different? because like, Yeah. It was definitely a challenge. Oh, <laughs> man, it gives. Uh, well, I have this like such a fear. I love getting on stage. Like I love emceeing and doing yeah, stuff yeah. but then when it's all about you sometimes, I, I don't know what it is. Like I just have this worst thing. Whenever we do live shows, I'm like, no one's coming. Yeah. No one's yeah, going. Like yeah, no one's going. No one's going. We had that. Yeah, no one's going to no yeah. yeah. laugh. Yeah. No yeah,
5: we had that. 100%. Yeah. Well, we, we we were packing our pants right before the first show on the Friday in Melbourne, so we had four shows in a row in Melbourne in the first go, and was standing backstage like, "What have we done?" Like, yeah. we, <laughs> there's I, all these people here. They, we can hear them like speaking excitedly, and we're just standing there going, "We thought no one was going to laugh yeah. at anything, and we are just going to get out there for an hour, costumes and we're dressed as Eshes about to rap. Yeah, and then the like the So the first. Uh, part of the show opens with a song and then it goes into dialogue so the song finishes like yeah cool cool and then he's got the first (laughs) line I turn to him and I'm like and he runs off stage and I can just see his TN's running into the darkness (laughs) and I'm like I'm going to him like where's he gone like on stage but like in character sort of and he forgot one of the props or something and we're like this is the (laughs) biggest (laughs) fucking train wreck
1: Jack thought Isaac panicked and I was like, oh, now I'm not doing it. He he thought, in he front of, i had lost it. In front of 600, 600 people. people. But <laughs> I, I, didn't <laughs> have
8: the, I didn't have the bum bag with like a spray can in it, which was like part of the next yeah, joke. So yeah. I was like, fuck, if I can find it in five, <laughs> five seconds, no one will notice. I boosted out, couldn't find it, and then came back and out. And went, going, it was all oh, good. Well, Where's he going? We've
5: got an hour and ten minutes. memorizing. It's just going to be Jack. This is
1: actually So But then you ended up being like, oh pretend I've got something in my hand, and that got a laugh.
0: we like the
3: next. Sorry, pulled it, it back. Fine, the the improv yeah.
0: stuff's always the fun when she goes yeah. wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah, people, people love so, that
5: stuff. So and like throughout the tour, you because you really stick to the script early because you're like, oh, let's just do it. Yeah. And by the end of the tour, you feel way more liberal to. Yeah. You know, we started working with the, like people in the front rows. Like, yeah. Really I reckon funny. the
1: last show in New Zealand, we started to like fuck with each other a bit. Like. I think you tried to stuff up one of my lines. Yeah. He like said my line basically, yeah. and then I had to just reset. Yeah. And, then, and then also we did this sketch where like a, a sex ed teacher is a virgin, and he like ends up like going mental and just bashing a sex doll. And then I think Jack got. I think me and Jack knew that he was going to get we had another a spare sex doll for yeah, the last so he, show. Yeah, yeah. Well, he so pops the first it. one gets
5: attacks me and I yeah. kill it, and then. As I'm recomposing, I go side
1: stage, and there was another one that was yeah. never expected I, to be I there. Didn't and even had had a to so, so, I didn't know that. I just said, "Let's try it," like right before the show, yeah, and yeah. I think it ended up losing. That was our main expense, actually, sex dolls. I think I bought show, nine yeah. and I had to buy them. One time I bought four on a Friday from the same guy that's always there and he was just, I didn't say anything. <laughs> a big weekend. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> so like, good. The thing about doing videos, you buy the weirdest stuff and then ask for a receipt. So I'm like, why he's like, four sex dolls. Is he going to
0: bring it back? <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's the weirdest thing I feel like that yeah, happens. Yeah. Love those guys, can't wait to see what they're doing next, which is really, really exciting. That was 210, swag on the beat. And next up, we have 200, Tony Armstrong, episode 200 with the big TA. He's uh, getting just so big, it's not funny, the big TA. Um, he's I think he's got two Logies now. I always joke and say that he wins Arias, but it's not that funny. Um, and I hope we take that out because that was just embarrassing. Uh, but he's just exploding. He's doing so many good things. The bigger life gets, the busier it gets for him. And we just talk about how he's managing that now. He's got a few managers, actually, which is really crazy. But, um, yeah, he's just doing some awesome stuff. He spoke about figuring out his priorities, saying yes to everything, but then also learning when to say no. Um, spoke about imposter syndrome. And, yeah, so many bits and pieces, but always a good laugh when chatting to Tony and always very uh, educational as well, which is really cool. So can't thank him enough for coming on the pod. It's been incredible sort of seeing his growth over the last two years from – leaving footy to just becoming you know one of australia's most iconic sort of performers really um in the media a wider media space so couldn't be prouder of him i'd love to talk about that with you like mm. talk about another song that i like biggie smalls uh, this isn't to do with it but like in terms of more money more problems and not talk about more money but more jobs more things that are coming the bigger your life gets the busier it gets the harder it gets to deal with stuff how have you personally gone like with that side of it, like you're so in demand, you got shit pulling you everywhere. You got three people that have to, you know, help you make decisions. How have you felt on a psychological level? Like you just said, then speaking to people, like what's been a big challenge oh, for you, I'm, and how have you felt? How have you like managed it and dealt
8: with it? And
3: well, I'm still
8: on it? I'm still working on it, and like I'm working on val- um, like the big thing I'm working on right now is where I get my validation from. That's the big thing I'm working on. So for so often I've been a people pleaser because I want people to like me. And how do, I, how do I try to get people to like me? Well, that has always been through being good at shit. Mm. So as a kid, it was through being good at sport. And then when I got to AFL level, I had that prism shattered because I wasn't good at it anymore or like in that space, I wasn't good at it. So that shattered my my identity and one of the things that made people like me. And then now, People who don't know me come up to me on the street and say, g'day, all this kind of stuff. They feel like they know me, which is lovely, but I'm really working hard on making sure that I get my validation right now from doing the work rather than from people telling me that I'm doing a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so like when I make decisions now, I try to make decisions based on will I like the work? So say you have a request come through. I heard this on um, another podcast, Smartless. Yeah. And Jason Bateman said he got some advice from someone where it's like if it's not – like if someone asks you, hey, do you want to go and do this appearance at somewhere, if you wouldn't be psyched to do it tomorrow, if even if it's three months away, if you wouldn't be – rather than saying, oh, yeah, I'll do that, knowing it's three months away and you might come around, just say no. Mm. But I guess back to the validation thing, it's like what I'm working on with that is because like what I do is – So public face, it's so in the spotlight. My job is to be on telly, so that with that, you know, it could be easy to let ego get in the way. And I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to kill the side of my ego which would be doing it for validation from others. And I'm just trying to have a healthy ego where I want to feel good in myself. Yeah, I want to feel good about doing what I'm doing. And I'm doing it for me and then because because of how fickle life is and how fickle you know the arts are or whatever they are and having gone through it in footy with it which is also a very fickle world it's like I think you have to love just the doing of it because if you're if you're only doing it to get it like to feel good through the lens of other people getting around you then I think concerning. Well, it's a rabbit you, hole. Well, you're just you're just setting yourself up
0: to fail. Love it. Mm. We had um Sam Gash on the show. I'm not sure if you know Sam Gash. She's an absolute star. Like she was a lawyer, turned into an ultra marathon runner. Has done Survivor. Like just this awesome thing. And she taught me this unbelievable piece because, like, with podcasting and with interviews and with chatting to people, like, you only sort of um yeah nice. Darcy's nice. just grabbed some <laughs> more wine. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love that. Girl Weekly, to yeah. the air. <laughs> yeah. You only. Sort of hear from people when they're at this sort of stage, right, where you have gone through the hustle, the grind, and all Naps these and bits chill. and pieces. So just Jeez, doing another boy,
8: um, By the way, Dylan also poured another glass on himself. I I'm still on my first. No, that's not true. So you <laughs> go through this hustle and grind, you get to where you
0: are at the moment, right? Well, you're not where you, like you're at an incredible spot, but you've still got you're still M- hungry. Um, you're nowhere near. You're not even touching the start. I'm stuff, not even at so base camp. No, you're not. But to the notion of when you are maybe. A little bit backwards of where you are at the moment, right? You're at the beginning, and there's people that will be listening to this in different stages of their life. So, like relating it back to them, maybe I hate hmm. speaking for people, but relating it back to them, I was speaking of a younger self, and it's like at the beginning, you have to say yes to everything. You 100%. have to say yes to everything, right? We've
4: spoken about, we speak about this it. because this yeah. is the
0: yes, right? You go yes, and someone goes, "Do you want to do this?" In your head, not really. Yes, I do. Okay,
8: you I'd fucking do it. I'd, I'd love, love to, to, and I appreciate it. I'll be there early. Do you know what? How much late. do you want
0: for it? You know what? Nothing. I'd love to just get the experience. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So that's the part. You say, yes, 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 yes. Then when you've done the yeses and you've got the runs on the board, then you get to a stage where you're talking about at the moment where your yes turns into a no because your yes is actually robbing you from everything else, the other opportunities that you have to go into. So it's at the moment you say yes at the start. You yes the fuck out of every Mm. opportunity. You're grateful. You appreciate it. You do it for free you learn because the part about the free and the monetization part is you don't have to be good at it because once that gets
8: involved, well, then you got then you better be good. You you better be good. Yeah.
0: Then you get to that next stage that you're talking about now. And it's like, you've actually got to learn how to say no and saying no, like we're talking about with the agents or with whoever it is and how you get that done you got to refine it because at the end of the day, you fill up your burners. There's only time to go into X amount of things. And I found this a really big problem for me is I kept saying yes and and still at the did moment you, Did struggle. you say yes for a bit long? I, I still do. I'm yep. still terrible at it. And you think about your cups and how you, what you're filling up and – you only have 100, 100% of yeah, you've time, only got, right? Yeah, you've only got a pie. I have 110 because I work a bit harder than everyone else. Yeah, I mean- And, and, and a bit harder than you. And so you're known, and I, you're known I, for that. Yeah, I'm known for that. Mm, mm. So
8: I have 110%. I guess my yeah. 100's your 110. So my 110, sort of your 90. I mean, your words. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm not going to push back on that. But it's <laughs> like,
0: if you're saying yes to 10 things at 100%, that's 10% into each of them. That's or a really good
8: way to put it, yeah. You
0: can have- Two things, two things, and you fucking go as hard as you can into it, and that's that's the things that you do. So I think it's a good. Me- I just think it's an important to because people listen at different stages of where they are, and it's like you work out what you are and be honest with yourself or where you are because sometimes a lot of people might even go they start saying no too early or they. Well,
8: s- well, I remember, like I I got my break on NIRS, which is National Indigenous Radio Service. I was, I was calling football and doing special comments for. I mean, it barely filled the car up for the week Mm. and I'd be doing three games a weekend commentating so off Broadway, so off Broadway. And then if I had time, I would go and do a dummy call where I'd just go to the ground, go to one of the spare boxes and I'd commentate to no one, literally to no one. I'd put the cans on, the cans for those... Who don't understand that terminology is like the headset mm. i'll put i'd uh, put the cans on I so you're it, saying like put two cans of coke on your ears <laughs> or something so it so it, that's so not funny um <laughs> and and i'd um and, like, you'd literally sew it. <laughs> fuck, man. Sorry, man. Work on that. Sorry, man. Yeah. That, like, can we uh, take that out? Can we?
0: Cut that, cut that, cut that.
8: Um, can that? Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> fuck. Cut that, cut that, cut that. Um, and mm. I'd, I'd literally just yell out of the box to no one. Practicing. So, that's like, no one's even asked me to be there. Mm. I'm just there. And that's how I got my break. And there you
0: have it, fam. They are some of the best business and career uh, episodes we had this year. There's so many others as well that we, you know, we couldn't fit in. But they are some of our favourites. Um, let us know if we missed anyone, and would love for you to, yeah, let us know what you think of these. It's really fun putting these together and reflecting on them. We're also going to do some other episodes on education and inspiration. We're going to do some more on uh, sport. And um, yeah, we'll have some more over the break. So make sure you check them out and get ready for a big 2024. And also, if you do enjoy these sort of uh, educational business career podcasts, make sure you check out our series, Teach Me Please, that we started um, this year too. There's so many awesome you know, chats with industry experts that are just killing it in their fields. And if you haven't heard of Teach Me Please, it's basically just teaching, uh, sitting down with someone that knows their shit in an industry and saying, teach me about this 101. What do I need to know? We spoke about how to start a business, how to buy a house, teach me how to taste wine, um, teach me how to get better sleep, all these bits and pieces that are super, super valuable, um, and we've had some great feedback on. So, yeah, teach me, please. It's just in the Dylan Friends feed. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Illy. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play.